ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode of Inspiration Point. We are on episode four, and I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> I mean, I'm everybody. You, you that's, are. You're, that's all that's here. So we, we are. We how's are. your week, Andrew? Uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I am in the final week of finishing the manuscript for the current book that uh, that we're on. Yeah, uh, our deadline jumped up a bit and we've just been kind of trying to cram as much as we can into uh, into a pretty small time frame. And well, let, let me ask you, given that case, uh, mm-hmm. do you still like role playing games? No, I hate them. <laughs> That's I hate understandable. Them so much. That's understandable. No, I, I like. Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> I I like them. I've been writing some magic items that have uh, some of them. I was actually pretty, pretty happy with. I've found that some of the my favorite ones to write are magic items that are supposed to be extremely low tier. So like you could give this item to a level one character and it's not going to break anything. It's not, you know, it probably is barely going to affect combat, if at all. They're just, right. they're always these, like, just weird, inconsequential things um, that border on mundane, but are somehow magical. Like, uh, I made a, a rod called the Rod of Order, and literally all it does is you use a charge on this thing, and Anything within a room, it can't go through walls, it can't go through doorways. Anything in the room that is out of order, disorganized, or otherwise not in its place, gets up and gets back into its place. And it just cleans (laughs) the room. That's it. What if something is in its place? What happens? What do you mean if something's in its place? Okay, so if I use this rod on a book, Uh and my bookshelf... My bookshelf is filled with rocks. What happens? Oh, the rocks go away because the rocks aren't supposed to be there. Like the rocks go like they disappear or the book moves the rocks or how does that work? The the rocks would just fall out. Did you just make up the answer right now? Yes. <laughs> yes <I did. laughs> so I'm not a physicist, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that two objects actually can't occupy the same thing same space at the same time. Yeah, I I at least agree with that. So something to think about. Mhm. But it sounds funny. Like I know you like funny magic items like silly kind of things, but you know what in the right context that thing would break the game. Oh, I'm sure it would. Right? Like you could have an entire quest line where it's like go retrieve the artifact and and bring it back to the temple to solve the problem and you just like aim at when you fight it and then the campaign ends <laughs> yeah it's, it's like you brought you bring it into the moana f- film and you just you like they're like here's the heart of tafiti and she just like points at it and then the movie ends oh it was meant to to affect things inside like indoor spaces and stuff like that but gotcha yeah it's 
Um, so it, it's the spell that uh, Merlin casts in Sword of the Stone. Yes, exactly. It's, when, he, when he sings about hockety pockety. Yeah, it's not something where you cast, where you use a charge on an item. You use it on a space and anything that belongs in that space, but isn't in its intended Goes and spot. changes the words right now to say that instead. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, fair enough, right? Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, I really like the film Sword in the Stone. I actually, Me too. It's actually one of my favorites. But it doesn't end well. It just, um, it quits, actually. Well, uh, you, right right after the battle with Madame Mim, which is like one of my favorite things in all Disney films. It, um, it was, that was a crazy fight. It, it's so creative and so funny and so engaging. And then like the final I guess act, I want to say, I guess the final act of the movie, it's not very long. Right. Um, they just kind of like, well, uh, well, and then he uh, finds a sword and uh, he pulls it out and the movie ends. And there then you're you just go. like, oh, well, why did he have to learn all that education and stuff? Why did he have to become animals? That didn't come up. Well, God just decided that he wins. Well, do do you know why it ended like that? Uh, what what is the reason? Because the sword in the stone is actually just the first. It's a book, and it's the first book in a series by I think it's E. B. White uh, called "The Once and Future King," and it's about the entire life of King Arthur. And the sword in the stone is just the first book, and it's about Arthur as a child. But then it picks up in later books as. Arthur goes through his entire his entire reign as king. Okay, but why does the Disney film, which is a, a one-off, do that? That's a very fair question. Yeah, I, I, I realized that Disney did not come up with the Arthurian legend. No, I, I know. <laughs> I mean, I think that even the book kind of ended that way. It's been a while since I read it. But it was kind of like, okay, he's got the stone and the book kind of wraps up. Um, no, it, it's just this weird thing. I, I feel from watching it that at least when it comes to this movie that they just like ran out of time. Yeah. It, or they had like already written the ending or something and they were just like, uh, I don't know. I guess I could have researched it, but I didn't do that. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to talk about it. I didn't know you were either. I we I don't well, blow me to Bermuda. Yeah. Blow me to Bermuda. Yeah, it's my favorite insult. <laughs> Blow me to Bermuda. Um, let's see. How about you? What's going on? <laughs> um, I'm busy. I'm so busy, and my time is so under strain, and I'm so stressed out that at this point, it's just funny. So, um, I'm here to have a good time. <laughs> me too, man. Me too. I just got a text from my boss telling me that I need to pick up another class. Um. What? And I don't know how I'm going to do that, but uh, I'm a team player and I am going to come through for the people that need me <laughs> because that's my personality flaw. Oh, <laughs> right. Um, so. You but you will and you do. I do. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I can't let the guys down. You know, I I have I've thought um, that like D&D &D or I should say like just tabletop RPGs in general, especially if you have like a campaign, um, there's something strange about it where like, I don't know about you, 
but I really treat it as like this very serious social obligation. Like yeah, I do too. Even, even if like, if there's, you know, family stuff going on with like our wives or kids and stuff, I, like, I won't cancel unless it's just impossible. Right. Yeah. I, I will. Like, I am loathe to cancel a game. Yeah. And I've, I've played with a lot of people where canceling is too easy for them. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I don't want to be judgmental. I, uh, I I don't think of myself as a judgmental person, at least not as much anymore. Um. But I really hate that. And at least when it comes to myself, I will not cancel a game if I can possibly help it unless there's at least a week in advance. Yeah. Um. You know, emergencies happen. And of course, I'm you know, I understand that. That's fine. Sure. But. I mean, I think when people are counting on you, you come through, right? Yeah. You know, if, you, know you, if you, you do. Your if best. I pencil in a little bit of time for me to play PlayStation at night and I run out of time, that's fine. Right. <laughs> the only person I was relying on was myself. Yeah. So, but you not know, not to say you shouldn't make time for yourself. It's something it's something that, you know, you have multiple people involved in and everybody, you know, you get you get emotionally invested and everybody, you know, generally gets pretty excited. Right. And Cause you're not just there to play, right? Everybody's involved. Everyone's counting on you. I mean, I feel the same way in a, in a lot of ways about online games. Yeah. Right. Even if I'm having a really bad game of league of legends or, or whatever, you know, I'm not going to like just leave in the middle of a match and screw over my friends, you know, or right. even the teammates I don't know, because that's a, that's a not nice thing to do. Yes. It is a, decidedly not nice thing to do i'm also that guy that when the waiter gets your order wrong you just never tell him oh man i and i just eat it i and am say thank you i'm the opposite of that guy <laughs> except i am very nice about it but i i will say something i'm like i came here i'm paying for this i would appreciate it if you made what i ordered but Rule number one in life is you always, always, always be super nice to anyone who at any point will touch your food. Yeah, that's that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want spit sandwich. Yeah, that, you know, that's a good way to get poisoned. Also, if you've ever worked in either retail or in food, like I think that you understand this to a degree that you're not going to get everything right in a day yeah and you're thinking about multiple people i mean one table could have you know several orders that's not easy to keep track of it's it's hard you know in the restaurant um atmosphere can be very chaotic i worked at a restaurant briefly i did retail briefly you know both of them could have been a lot worse but they were both you know a little bit more fast-paced and stressful than i wanted to do yeah it you ever you ever feel weird when you're working these jobs where you're like, okay, high school kids do these jobs. This yeah. should be an easy job, but you sit there doing it and you're like, this is way more exhausting than it's worth. Like you run into something in the job that is actually difficult and you're like, I'm a college graduate. This should be beneath me. Why is this requiring requiring me to make skill checks? Like yeah. this should be automatic, right? Like isn't my dex just high enough? Right. Like I Right. I did I did some time working at Starbucks. I worked Starbucks for maybe 2 years and uh, good lord, 
like major respect for baristas, the amount of stuff that you just have to know off the cuff and the speed at which you have to move constantly is it's insane. And there's no part of me that ever wants to do that again or go in back into food service or anything. Not for me, but but you, but you think twice when you go to Starbucks. Oh, you bet. I'm I'm yeah. nice to every barista I ever see, and it's like, what's your favorite drink? Recently, it's been their strawberry acai lemonade refresher. It's like it's an iced drink. It kind of leans in the direction of like a like a passion tea lemonade, sort of a little bit of fruit, some lemonade. It's really tasty. How about you? You just black coffee. Well, pretty much. But like, it, you know, if I go to Starbucks and I order black coffee, I just feel like I've wasted my trip. Yeah. You know, so so out of the, all of the like fancy drinks that they have, my favorite is the matcha green tea lemonade. That's matcha my favorite thing. Lemonade. I know. Weird. Right. My wife calls it my algae drink because it has. It, know, it has it'll totally it. look like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's like it's not like transparent. And. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I finally had one again today and it's been months because I've been on a diet, but now I'm getting in control enough where I'm fitting in like fun food because I'm not just hungry all the time. Good on you. I'm drinking a beer right now. You know, it's great. Oh Um, man. Because I had had 200 left over. I'm having Guinness right now. Nice. But um, this is a drink that they never, well, I shouldn't say they never get right because obviously I discovered it at some point. But many Starbucks don't know what this is. Many baristas I've talked to don't know what this is. Kind of an off-menu sort of deal. Yeah, so I I go on the website and I go, well, you know, am I just, am I high? Did I just get, like, lucky once and someone gave this to me? No, it's on the website, you know. It's a thing that they have accounted for and they've thought about it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's it's ordered often. Oh, and so I, mo- I could almost guarantee that that is a pretty that's a pretty niche drink. Yeah, it's pretty niche. And uh, but I think I got it on accident once because I was nudity and I said <laughs> nudity. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so I went there. Come here for your highbrow humor, <laughs> highbrow humor. And I just ordered like green tea and they brought me this like thick thing. And I was like, what is this? And I tried it and I was like. Hello. <laughs> well, what have we here? But ever since like half the Starbucks I go to, they don't get it right. And you know what I don't do is call the barista a name. I don't demand her to, uh, you know, do what I want or him. You know, um, I, I I either deal with it or I very, very, very politely ask for changes. Here's- and I would only, only ask for changes. If there was no line behind me. Oh, yeah. If there's a line behind me, my time is done. I'm going to discover something new today. Oh, there you go. I'll I'll say this, though. Here's a pro tip for anyone who goes to Starbucks. It is company policy at Starbucks for the barista to make you something you like. So if you order something, maybe something you've had before, and you try it and maybe you change your mind or maybe you're trying something new. If you give that a shot and it's not to your liking, you can tell the barista and they will they'll make you something new. 
they'll go, okay, you know, let's try something else. You know, what kind of flavors do you like? What, you know, do you like hot or cold? They know enough to be able to tell, even if you don't really know what you're looking for, they can pretty well figure out what would suit your tastes. So uh, in the future, if you go to Starbucks and whatever you order isn't to your liking, talk to your barista nicely and say, hey, you know, this isn't really doing it for me. Can we try something else? Most baristas are like, they're like amateur chemists. They love just mixing stuff and trying stuff and experimenting with all kinds of different drink combinations. And they'll make you something you like. Just be patient with them, be kind to them, and they'll hook you up. You know what? I'm That's what I'm going to try next time. I'm going to go up to the barista if no one's behind me. And I'm going to say, I want you to make me something weird. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that for... I don't want to know what's in it. For those baristas, <laughs> that is... That's one of the most fun things that you can hear from a customer. I want to, I want the mystery potion. Make me something weird. Yeah, dude. <laughs> try. I'm going to try it at Chipotle, too, see what happens. Oh, God. But I, I, I dare say I'll be over calorie budget. I am, a, I, I am a creature of habit when it comes to places like Chipotle. <laughs> I know what I like, and I get the exact same thing every dang time and i'm a happy camper yeah so by the way this episode is not paid for by starbucks uh they are not giving us any money but we're also not opposed to that that's that's true if anyone knows how to get us that sweet starbucks cash hookup or starbucks gift cards we'll take them i'm cheap and easy yeah yeah that's you know he said it best cheap and easy although if if uh, someone wants to be our uh be our sugar and throw a little something our way you know we ain't gonna complain we have low standards you bet speaking of low standards adam what is your inspiration (laughs) point (laughs) great segue that was a perfect segue well i um i tried something a little bit different I, i i know it's not completely original uh this week but um this is something that every dm has probably attempted some form of Using downtime. This uh, is something that I have a lot of. I, w- I don't know if I want to say experience. I want to say experiments with. I've tried a lot of ways to use downtime. And um, I tried something this last week where I basically had little email sessions with players in between sessions. Right. And I had different reactions to that. And I've tried similar things in the past. I don't know about you. I have you ever tried to play like an email based game before? Well, you had one that I was in. Oh yeah, that's right. Way back, yeah. I played a. Yeah, you're a the pirate guy. It was v-, v something. I forget. But anyway, they all run. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, he even looked like you, but a pirate. Yeah. I me- as I remember your artwork for it. Yeah. What's well, not to like? <laughs> what's not to like? <laughs> But he had a bandana. That was like the difference. That, it's me, but there's a bandana. That bandana was wicked cool. You know what? There's nothing wrong with liking yourself. But anyway, um, I don't think I will ever do a full game like that again. Um, that wasn't fun. I think it takes some a ways. certain kind of group to successfully keep one of those going. So we all agree that party splitting is bad, right? Like, at least in a session, like, splitting the party, very rare 
should you ever even attempt it, if ever, right? Like, it is that thing that makes so much sense, and yet you should never do it. Mm-hmm. But in downtime, you can totally do it. Right now, a couple of our buddies are doing a one-on-one session in preparation for our next group gathering, right? And yeah. that's that's one way to do it, right? In my case, I sent everybody an email, and I gave them numbered options. And I said, here is the scenario. Are you interested in one, two, three, maybe some kind of light combination between a couple of them? Uh, maybe something else, right? But I liked offering, at least up front, some limited options to kind of help steer, but I was open to um, changes within that framework. Right. So I had one friend respond to my three options with a one word response, right? He's like, I picked two. Okay. I followed up with another three questions and then he said, I picked number one. And then I followed up with another one and he was like, I picked number two. Mm. And then I said, well, here's what happens. And he's like, Cool, that was fun. <laughs> and so I mean he had a good time and I had a good time writing it too. So you know what? Social contract fulfilled, right? So you felt good about those responses. It wasn't like text messaging someone like this big thought out thing, and then someone's like, Cool. Well, I know that that's his personality, right? Like oh, I know okay. that he's not he is not a verbose man. Sure. He is not like Andrew, right? So you can't all he be. is He's very, let's say, minimalist. And um, but, you know, I, I felt like he was having a good time. And then when we came to the session, he shared what he learned with the whole group. It was the most anyone had ever heard him talk. That blew my mind. You know, so I felt like he had a positive experience with it. Very. And his but his interface with it is not necessarily what I would have expected. Right. But he he said, you know, oh, here's my limited response. Oh, I actually really enjoyed that. Huh. Um, I had another friend remark that he felt like it, it felt like a choose your own adventure book. Yeah. And I was like, I'm fine with that. Choose your own adventures books. were freaking great. <laughs> I have no problem with this. Did you ever, did you ever, uh, you ever cheat and flip back? Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, come on. We read them when we were like 11. Yeah, Cheating was like, part of the game. Oh right? God, I'm dead. No, I'm oh, not. God. Well, plus, what are you going to do? Take it back to the library? Like, never read it again out of solidarity? Are like, there, you just... Do you think there are people who are, like, hardcore choose-your-adventure <laughs> readers? They play They play hardcore Page mode. three, they make the wrong answer, and the, the story ends, and they're just like, well, can never read it now. <laughs> that, that's got to be a thing. They have no idea what the other options are. They didn't go look at anything. They go yeah. in and they're like, dude, they're not a noob. They're not some scrub. Oh they knew what they bought. They knew what they signed up for. They knew what the risks were. They knew what the risks were. Wow. The the hardcore choose your adventure reader. That's, these are the most honorable people on planet Earth. I, I am now utterly convinced that these people really <laughs> exist and that I need to meet them and talk dude. to them. So if you're one of those people, please be one of our first guests on Inspiration Point and talk about your collection of unread Choose Your Adventure books. Because <laughs> they are. Because you're are. a principled person, but you make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so I had another buddy and, you know, a couple of you, because I did this to you as well, mm. um, you know, basically picked one or the other. You gave me thought out responses. You had follow up information. They're like, I picked two, but with the following things. Mm -hmm. 
I picked number three, but here is my intention and here's what I want to follow that up with. Mm. That's all great. That's fantastic. That just helps me. And then I was able to respond with more questions, more options. And then I have uh, one of the other guys in our group. I sent him the three options and he was like, options are too limiting. Here is my actual response. (laughs) And then I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Um, Okay, we're still going to end up in a similar place. So let's let's work that out. But, you know, and that's fine with him. I know that there's other players that would not want to do this. They want to play in game time during the week. That's when they work. That's when they think about other things. And I would I would 100 percent respect that. So that's something I would say up front, like definitely give them this option. And I, I, I probably wouldn't make it an obligatory part of my game. But it was a really good way I found to engage with a player one on one in a way that didn't waste time for everybody else. I, I completely agree for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I did it for you. What did you think about it? I I really enjoyed it. Um, honestly, I, I wish we would do things like that more. I even remember, though I don't remember the specifics of it, even back in college when we were rooming together, there was a little while where we did, I, I remember what it was for a drow campaign you were running. Yeah. yeah. You ran a, basically a single player uh, like pre-campaign for my character to kind of fill in his backstory up until the point where the campaign was supposed to kick off. And it was just you and me across each other from the table throwing dice and kind of um, just doing this cool uh, role playing, just bouncing off each other, doing this cooperative story building. Um, and I... I loved how how focused it was like you you both very quickly get on the same wavelength and you get a path and you get going and it just the beats come really fast and uh, it's a lot more maneuverable than it might otherwise be if you had, you know, four plus more people sitting at the table waiting or jumping in, or, you know, whatever. Um, And the emails felt like kind of a throwback to that, where it's like, okay, here are some options, choose a path. And then we did, and it's like, ooh, let's see what happens next. And then sure enough, you'd bounce an email back within like 15 minutes or so, and it's like, okay, cool, what's next? Let's pick from these, okay, what sounds right? That one, next. And I will say there were maybe a few times where I looked at the options and I wasn't a hundred percent sure how flexible things were. Like I might have looked at them and gone, I don't know if I really am a hundred percent on any of these. It might be more like, I, you know, I 80% want this one, but maybe want 20% that other one or you know things like that and i wasn't i wasn't very sure how doable that was because i figured you know okay you were setting it up this way for a reason so i didn't want to well and i appreciate you wanted to work with me yeah i was playing within within the bounds that it seemed like you were trying to set like okay this is how i want this to function this is what you've got to work with okay 
let me try to work with it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I definitely also understand the desire to um, to want to go, well, actually, what if we did something like this? And, you know. And, and which is fine. I would have been totally open to that. And, and like I say, one of our other players, that's exactly what he did. Right. Um, in fact, the, the difficulty with him was just saying, okay, part of the reason why I'm presenting you with options is to, so that you understand that you can't do everything. Right. Right. And, but yeah, if he came back and said, well, I want to do 80% of a and in 20% of uh, C, I've been like, oh yeah, totally. We can hundred percent do that. Okay. Um, well, cool to know yeah, for the future. Know. Yeah. Um, I think I included in some of the emails, maybe I missed with yours, but I basically said as much, you know, like you can do some combination of these, but I don't think I didn't copy paste the format for everybody. So I might've, I might've written different things, but anyway, well, the, the point is, I, is, you know, if, if I missed it, you know, well, you probably were like, Oh, look at the business up front. Anyway, story, right. <laughs> uh, cause you want to get to the good stuff, but it was fun to, to kind of get into it. You know, some people responded to me with really long emails, a lot of information, uh, inner monologue. Someone even wrote dialogue, um, which was great. I really enjoyed that. And it allows you to role play and engage with it as much as you want. Yeah. You know, and some people want more engagement than others. Yeah. So some players are all about the inner monologue and others are just like, when do I get to a shooter thing? Oh, man, I I I'm a bit of all that. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I, I like to test drive. You know, but I also want to go through an arc. I, I want to, you know, experience changes and inner conflict. Yeah, uh, it's all it's all good. But anyway, it was it, for me, it was very rewarding. What were you going to ask? I was going to say, how do you see yourself using this kind of thing more robustly? Or are you thinking of using it in different ways going forward? Or, you know, would you change certain things? Well, you know, I love to experiment. I love to try out a different policy. I like to try out different rules. I like to play with systems. You know, that's that's part of what what gets me my jollies when it comes to D and D and other games. Right. Um. I would I would warn. I I guess I would say that this could be a little time consuming. So I would just say be careful and manage your time because th- th- this could easily lead to to uh, quicker burnout if you get too ambitious up front. Right. So I think that for the DM as well as the player, it's good to keep it a little bit um, more condensed Mm -hmm. and get to the important things. You don't need to fill out every detail, you know, like in our game. And I highly recommend this, by the way, if you're doing like a long term game where you're really exploring characters. But I would recommend doing at least a few time skips. I do regular time skips between chapters. That's not what I'm recommending, although I do enjoy it. But I would recommend giving your characters a little bit of time to live life uh, solo and to explore their own interests, maybe work on a profession, perhaps go on a solo adventure, maybe try to um, cultivate a relationship with an NPC or another player. You know, there's a lot of things you can do that would otherwise be too selfish to do in a session. I mean, poor rogues, man. Like, they write rogues so that they will run off and cause trouble. And yet, we can't let them do it in a game very often. At least not for very long. We always like to make the ranger or the rogue go scout ahead and figure out what's going on. Or Yeah. 
someone who has clairvoyance or something so that you know what's up. But if that takes a long time, you have players just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. Now, if if they're really cool and they're they're into someone else's adventure, then awesome. And that's actually what I almost talked about today, but I'll I'll leave that for another time. But most of us are not going to be that interested. We're not going to be that invested. So what again, what I really like, I was in fact, we have a rogue player and I was able to take him on his own solo infiltration and I gave him different options as to what it would be. And on top of that, the options that I gave all of you were hints and clues and in some cases gear or stuff that would translate into the next session. So part of it was really fun was watching you guys all get together and be like, oh boy, did I have a great weekend? And then <laughs> like, I don't know, dude, I think I outdid you. Like, I think I did more. The third guy, I don't know, guys. Like, <laughs> I have a lot to talk about. And it was fun and it's going to be fun because some of the clues you guys still haven't discovered yet. But like, as the chapter goes on, you know, people are like, I might know something about this. And then people are like, what? It's like, well, I may have already been here twice and killed a guy. It's like, wait, well, you did what? You know, and those are great moments. Yeah, we I I think that's something that I've been very happy with in terms of our group. I feel like we've gotten better at reacting to other people's stuff like when someone else's character does something interesting or crazy or weird i think we've gotten pretty good at not just letting that go by and actually commenting on it or responding to it in some way to give whatever it is that happened a little bit of legitimization and like it sucks when you try to have your character talk about something crazy that happened and nobody reacts or gives you any feedback or, you know, no one plays along at all. And it's like, okay, why did I even bother? Well, I will say not to get too personal, but I will say that there was one player that went through something traumatic and there was very little follow up on that. So I'm hoping that we will see more of that going forward. But anyway, it's, um, yeah, for the most part, I would say we're getting better. You know, I think your group especially had a hard time getting started because we had a couple of brooding secretive types. And so we've got one person that still isn't opening up. So, you know, though, I think something's going to happen soon. Uh, if not, I'm killing them. Uh, but anyway, um, that's by the way, it? I will typically try not to kill a player in combat. But if you fail to follow an arc, you're dead. 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 <laughs> dead. 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 If you refuse to change, I have nothing to do with you. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. But that's just me. So, um, yeah, that's my inspiration point is um, having fun with downtime. And, you know, certainly don't feel obligated for any DM to have to do something like this. We all have limited time and attention. Um, this isn't for everybody, right? But if you feel that hankering and you've got a player like Andrew, who's going to eat it up. Oh yeah. You know, have a good time, man. Like write a couple paragraphs, see what they think. Oh, here's one thing I wanted to say at no point in any of these exchanges that I ever ask for a die roll. Mm, yeah. That was part of the reason to give the ABC decisions 
was that by choosing A, you're giving up B and C, right? Right. To at least some degree. Even if you're kind of doing your a la carte mode, you're still giving up everything that A could have been, right? Yeah. So and then that path kind of changes and we develop down that road. But you gave up actually more than you got. And that's true for everybody. Yeah. Right. And that's not because anyone played wrong, but that's just the nature of time. Right. Right. You, you know, for everything you do, there's infinite things you didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's only so many hours in the day and, you know, there's. So that opportunity cost replaces the die roll in this case, mm. you know. And it and no, it, it worked. I, I never felt like I was, well, maybe a little bit, but largely I never felt like I was giving up anything that I didn't at least kind of know I was giving up. Like the other options made it pretty clear, like, okay, this path is is this path. You know, there's there's decent signage. And it's like, okay, do you want this one that's kind of telegraphing this sort of idea? Do you want this one that's sort of showing off this kind of idea? And if you pick this one, you're not picking the other ones, which, you know, is an obvious thing. But at the same time, when you're, you know, when you're choosing between a bunch of, you know, cool or interesting options, um, it can be it can be easy to feel either overwhelmed or like you're missing something or like, oh, you know, how can I have my cake and eat it too? Like, um, right. And you can't. That's the fun. Right. At least for me. <laughs> terrible person. <laughs> Fair, fair. Um, Just but go yeah, buy more I, cake. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's part of the fun. And if it was a hard decision for you, then I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Oh, because absolutely. that means that it wasn't obvious and, you know, you wanted at least pieces of the other thing. So that's that's good. You know, I'll, I'll take that. Nice. So, yeah, just um, just something fun you can do on the side. And, you know, uh, I, you know, I mentioned scouting earlier, mm -hmm. even between a session and there isn't a big time jump. You might let's say you get to the end of a session and you're about to maybe infiltrate some kind of installation or something. You know, you could just email the road and just say, you know, do you want to just kind of get ahead of everybody on this? There you go. So that way you can have like that little solo one off and I'm not splitting the party or I can put two people in the email thread and I could say the two of you go down path A and here's what you do and. During the next session, we'll all meet up, you know, at the uh, common area again. You do your little info dump and people are like, oh, dang, you know. Yeah, pretty cool. so that could be fun. Or you can do what our friend is doing and, and schedule actual session time, That's which means you can neat. get a lot more done. But it's also harder to schedule that, of course. Right. Yeah, if you're out of college and, you know, you've got big adult job and family and stuff like that. Yeah. scheduling is faux numero uno it's so hard sometimes it's literally thanos yeah it's <laughs> real bad it's real real bad okay well that's pretty much my inspiration point how to waste more time outside of a session what is yours sir what is your inspiration point i was giving that some thought today and i had kind of a raft of different ideas that i was bouncing between some of them you know i well in that case let's barge right in yeah let's let's oh i see what you did there yeah <sighs> um <laughs> so i did wind up settling on one though 
caveat, I didn't necessarily come to any conclusions about it. Um, and I yeah. thought we could kind of just have it out and see where we land on this. So this, Sounds like good. a lot of our stuff, was prompted by some stuff that you had been doing in the game. And that's why we schedule it the day after we have a game. There you go. Keep it fresh. <laughs> so what I have been thinking about is the use of prophecy, soothsaying, and cryptic instruction in a mm, game. Yes. Before we jump in any further, just for just to kind of set things up very, very briefly, um, prophecy being a, uh, a character or characters in the game being given some something relating to foreknowledge of events that are coming but in a in a way that isn't clear it's a very it's a very tropey kind of thing it happens in movies and riddles vagaries yeah exactly all that stuff right um and i've never really done it before it's been fun to do that lately good i'm glad it's been fun for you He's like, I'm just <laughs> for you. <laughs> no, um, no it, I mean, fair enough. Your prophecy wasn't happy it, time. It has. It's been, but it's been very, very interesting. Um, so I'm going to rattle off a few kind of questions, and then I guess we can kind of address them one by one after that. But in general, what is the narrative purpose of prophecy foreshadowing exactly um what are ways to approach it as a gm what are ways to deal with it as a player what to do if the player isn't really getting it how does this impact player agency like could a prophecy force you into uh like railroading your campaign um mm. when it that's why they're vague yeah <laughs> When it comes to being cryptic, where should we draw the line before uh, before things just wind up getting frustrating? And then lastly, are there guidelines for phrasing or um, should it just be generally vague? So that's that's <laughs> the kind of uh, no limericks question. That's a... Well, limericks are limericks are always good. <laughs> So those are the those are the general kind of questions that came into my mind. And like I said, I'm I'm not sure that I really settled on answers apart from, you know, like you said, the the narrative purpose of prophecy is definitely foreshadowing. Another one that I would add, and this is maybe more specific for me, because if you're doing like a module, this is just not going to be relevant. Right. But but if you're doing like a long term kind of get to know you type game that we're doing, I'm giving hints as to character development. Right. And I'm telling you, here is what your character needs to do to live, to to win the game as far as as much as I can give D&D a win condition, mm -hmm. you know, like here are the things that your character is going to learn or not learn. And if they fail to learn, it will be their demise mm. um, in either like a physical sense or in a um, your your character will, you know, uh, uh, flounder in darkness. Mm. 
you know, so it's it was a way to say, here's what you need to learn in order to grow spiritually. Gotcha. Um, but again, it's it's all vague because otherwise I'm just reading you the script a few pages ahead. Right. And that's not very fun. Plus, I don't know how things are going to change as the DM. Yeah. Right? So I literally I literally don't know the future. That's the that's but, also the kind of one of the big wrenches that get thrown into things just by virtue of the fact that this is that it's an RPG that changes as you play. Well, let's say that I want to run a game for like a, a player and he's playing a paladin mm-hmm. and I and I want to run him through the Darth Vader arc. You know, I basically want him to to be heroic and then I want him to be challenged and then I want him to fall and then I want him to maybe be redeemed or not. Mm-hmm. And that and that is how we'll do it in the end. Um, or maybe he'll never, you know, become like a oathbreaker or anything, but maybe there's a, a part of his of his righteous fervor that he's overlooking. Mm. Or maybe he doesn't know who he is outside of his religion, right? Like there's a lot of ways that I might address that character development. Now and, and when I when I think about him, I, I kind of know where I want all your characters to go. Right. But they're all like cliff notes, basically. You know, they're they're bullet points. They're not they're not scripts yet, you know. If I try to write that far ahead, I'll fail. Right. It's you can't. That's that's like um, you know, that's the same kind of problem that people run into with over prepping, you know. Yeah. You you're either you're either preparing for every conceivable possibility which will burn out time. Exactly. You're going to you're going to yeah. go down or on the flip side, you are going to feel like you're missing something because you can't possibly come up with all of it. So the necessity of the situation is like you really can't. I, I shouldn't say can't. You ought not to go beyond, a you know, a stone's throw in the future, because if you push, you know, much further beyond that. Yeah. You know. Any any little thing in your session will can just butterfly effect into a billion different directions. And all of a sudden, you know, because right, your character turned left instead of turning right when your GM thought you'd turn right, just right messed up everything. So, you know, you don't want to paint yourself into a corner as a DM, mm-hmm. right? Like you're a GM and you don't want to be like, oh, well, he turned left. So now I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, the game's over because my creative process has ended. Right. Right. Like, no, you need to have some room in which to work. Yeah. So you'll, you you probably noticed I'll keep them vague for number one. Yeah. Um. Two, they may or may not address your ending, but they will definitely address something that will challenge you, mm-hmm. which I can definitely anticipate. I don't know necessarily how I'm going to challenge you. I just know like the spirit in which I want to do it. Right. Yeah. Like I want, I know what I want your character to experience and how they will be tested. Mm. But I, you know, I don't know. Is that going to be a monster encounter? Is, is there going to be an actual disaster? Is, you know, NBC going to betray you? Is a PC going to betray you? Like, I don't know. Yeah. There, there's all f- kinds of fun possibilities. Mm. So I think it's good for the DM to also not necessarily know the future while still also knowing the future. If that's clear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you have an idea of where things ought to go, 
or at least thematically, you know, the kind of things that you want to work in at some point. Because you definitely don't want it to get to the point where I am now scripting this and you will follow my script. Yeah. Because then we tread on player agencies and that for me is a sin. Yeah. Um, you cannot you cannot do that. Yeah. Uh, I think another part of that. Let me just say this. I love your character. Oh, thanks. I, I love him so much. Thank you very much. But um, I, I got to do stuff to him. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but great. It's for his own good. Is it? I mean, <laughs> not at first. <laughs> sorry, what were you going to ask? Uh, I, so, I could just keep Wansbear going all night. He could he could co-host the show. Um, yeah. For the what is the narrative purpose of prophecy? I think the other side of that for me is like in terms of the present, when a character is handed prophecy or something to that effect, what I've had difficulty with as a player is figuring out, okay, I, I can tell obviously that this is pertaining to something that is coming down the pipe but you don't know exactly when you can be pretty sure that it won't be immediately and by virtue of the fact that it is so vague it it leaves you in a position or i should say it left me in a position where i i i had this weird feeling of not quite knowing what to do with it like it felt significant enough where I was like, okay, I, f I feel like I need to really be addressing this somehow. I need to be doing something about this or, you know, I, I was just handed this big important thing. It'd feel weird to like hear it and then just stick it in my back pocket instead of like really looking at it or analyzing it or do, you know, that sort of thing. Would you say you felt a loss of control? I don't like hearing how much you're smiling <laughs> while you're asking that damn question. Um, yes. We have fun. <laughs> you're the worst. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did. Like, it. you really, you hear it, and you go, well, okay. Like, I... What am I supposed to do with what that? What am I supposed to do with that? Which I suppose Who is knows? That's the fun. That, and, you know, and that's what, that's the trope, right? That's what everybody sees in movies and books and whatever. The hero. Nothing wrong with tropes. Or whoever gets this prophecy and without fail, they walk away from it going, what the heck was that? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? And it's worry. Right. Right. Worry. And um, which is not necessarily my goal for everybody. Right. Like sometimes it might be a reassurance. Maybe it is a a guideline that I'm offering you. Maybe it's a hey, watch out for this guy. Like I literally told someone uh, beware the empress mm. um, referring to the tarot idea that everyone knows I'm using. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not speaking of a specific character. And yet I'm totally speaking of a specific character. Yeah. 
Um, and it's up to them to guess at who I mean. Right. Yours was a lot more vague. Yours was like, I, I am just trying to affect you emotionally. And it sounds like it did. that. Oh, for sure. And, and I, <laughs> you're welcome. I, I'm what's interesting too, is that as far as lands of air goes, I'm, I'm definitely for myself kind of playing against type. And I know we've addressed this on previous episodes, but I think it's so your type now. Like now, I, I now I can't see you not in that type. I was telling my wife last night. I think we discovered who you truly are. I was I was <laughs> telling my wife last night that I think I think Lansvere may have taken the top spot as my favorite character ever. No joke. Well, that's high praise. That's high praise. Although our poor wives, you know, these are the discussions we have. You know, how was your evening? <sighs> honey i gotta tell you something i'm pretty sure my care my current pc is my new favorite i know i know it's hard to, to 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 fathom but this is just where i'm at i gotta be honest with you honey the the magnitude <laughs> is very much lost um but what's wrong with your husband yeah he's worried about his character <laughs> but like i definitely love this little guy and oh yeah um and like I've said about my my typical kind of character, they they're definitely more in the like, you know, the strong, silent, stoic kind of like you can't phase me kind of kind of personality. So the big emotional walls. Sure. And and <laughs> with Landsvere, I've been really trying to lean into him not being like emotionally fragile, but not really no. guarded. Like if something is freaking him out, he's going to seem freaked out. If, you yeah. know, if, if he doesn't, he's very reactionary. Yeah. Just if he's kind of getting a bad feeling, he'll sit there and go, uh, you know, <laughs> just he'll, he'll emote. Um, which we we all appreciate it. I I love the the emotes. They're they're funny, and they they all take on different tones too. So I know exactly what he means. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't planning on having him be like that either. It just kind of <laughs> developed, and now it's like a total thing. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> so with with him getting this prophecy and the fact that it was so vague. And that it, you know, like you said, it felt he definitely felt this lack of control. Mm. And with the theme of the wheel and the fact that yes. things can go well and can yes. go not so well, you know, there's there's this <laughs> go on, <laughs> go on. <laughs> the whole thing is like, you know. To a large degree, you shouldn't necessarily fight it. You should accept it and understand that, you know, bad things come, good things come. You know, as as the Bible says, this too shall pass, you know. Right. But that's all fine and dandy when you're reading the verse in the Bible. Yeah. But when you're faced with the actual <laughs> experience yeah, the, of the, the train has left the station and is coming down the track. But you don't know where that station it left from is. And it might be here soon or it might not. But it's going to get to you sooner or later. 
Yeah, you like the story of Job because it happened to Job. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> who is definitely not definitely you. not you. Like, oh man, that that would have sucked. Thanks for taking one for the Ooh. team, buddy. Um, yeah, good job, man. Wow, what a guy. What a guy. Uh, well, now that that lesson's been learned, I never need to learn something like that. So. <laughs> well, time to be hitting the old dusty trail. Um, so, in terms of the the purpose that prophecy can serve for a character in the game it's an interesting place to be in just kind of looking at this thing and knowing that it is significant but also knowing it's not actionable yet at least but it also leaves me um and this maybe this goes to my ways to deal with it as a player question i'm the kind of person where you need control eh, not not necessarily <laughs> but i i'm the kind of person where i am pretty comfortable admitting when i admitting when i don't know something or if i'm wrong about something like there's there's mm. some people out there who admitting they're wrong is like impossible it, it'll never happen um, yeah. with me, I, I almost kind of feel a bit of freedom in it. Like, look, I'm mortal and I will make mistakes. I do make mistakes and I was wrong. I can learn from it. I can move past it and just, you know, it's okay. Um, but the fact that I am aware of that part of myself factors in when I hear these sorts of things in the game where it's like this is a hint towards something that's coming later where i go man i i i hope i don't miss it i hope i don't react wrong to it i hope you know the moment doesn't get here and i don't realize it for what it is or you know maybe i forget a detail and i just screw the whole thing up not because my character would have done that, but just because I, as a player, goofed. Um, like, near the very beginning of the campaign, Lanzevere's dad gave him this very special bottle of brandy. And he explicitly stated, do not open this until the time is right. And that's the kind of thing, and he hasn't opened it yet, but that's the kind of thing where, like, I go... Man, I really hope that when that time comes that I, Andrew, am not an idiot and that I just like that it I don't want it to completely go over my head. And, um, you know, that's that's something where like some some. Well, maybe there's some DM advice there, right? Like, sure. OK, you're you're going to set up this moment for the player. Don't let them like miss it because you're too vague or because you know you're you're too punitive i mean ultimately i'm trying to give your character some catharsis i'm trying to give them some kind of you know arc and a sense of of satisfaction you know my goal is for your character to win and to drink the elixir right. so to speak right you know and and to be forever changed you know, that's that's what I want. I don't want to have your character fail, mm. uh, though. If they do, I hope it's in an interesting way. Oh, sure. Um, 
if the moment explicitly came and you were just like, eh, what? I'd just be like, drink the wine, you know, or the brandy. Oh. Um, but like, I would just say for DMs, like, don't be a jerk, right? Like, again, we always bring it back to the secret ingredient is yeah. love. But it, re- how have, but it how really have is. How have kept that going? <laughs> because it's, it, it just applies it, to everything. It really it's just does. like, don't forget, like, you are playing a social game with people that are, you know, presumably friends or at least acquaintances that like D&D. And if they like D&D, they're good enough to treat nice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's that's the bar of morality right there. Do you like Dungeons and Dragons? Well, okay, fine. You're into heaven. Um, <laughs> you know, that's about it. It's like, okay, so, you know, it. I don't... I don't get any jollies as a DM to go, ha ha, I'm smarter than you. Right. Ha ha, I tricked you. You know, I want, I want you to cry tears of joy. Yeah. Even if you have to be, even if you have to experience some suffering and pain on the way, I, you know, I hope you as a player would trust me that I'll get you there. Sure. Um, and, and to be, to be very clear, I do the, if, if there's, no, if there's yeah, anyone I, just, I doubt it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i i'm more saying that for the benefit of the sure. listener is just saying yeah. like like hey um yeah i know you just threw a glabrezu at your player but love them yeah with that glabrezu yeah. um you know i had to i had a player have a duel with an npc yesterday and i almost didn't do it because it's it can feel like bad form mm. um because it can feel like you're trying to like be dominant Mm. or like flex on somebody. And that was very much not the purpose of that encounter. The significance of that encounter is coming, but it will ultimately be for that player's good Mm -hmm. for their sense of importance and growth for, for what it's worth that, um, that duel I thought went remarkably well, even though the player ultimately lost the duel um and for anyone listening it wasn't it wasn't like a fight to the death sort of thing it was more of like a prove your capabilities sort of sort of thing yeah, it was like sparring yeah it wasn't of. it wasn't a malice based kind of fight um it was more of a test of prowess but i i thought that the duel was handled very well i never got the impression that um, that the player thought that you were trying to do anything other than you were doing. Um, it didn't seem like you were. Oh, and he reacted just perfectly to everything. Yeah. I, so I was, I was very pleased. And I, and again, I think that comes from the whole, like that player trusts me. Yeah. Oh, you know, he trusts me as the GM. And in relation to that fight, because everybody now is very familiar with how much I love, uh, memorable moments and um, little things like that. That fight had an emergent moment that was a split second, but it was so fantastic. This uh, big, fully armored um, soldier that our character, who is a, um, I believe, a zealot barbarian, uh, and she's like a kind of a priestess, type she's she's a battle nun yeah uh she's going up against this guy and she decides all right 
time to go time to go hard and she says all right i'm gonna time to reckless and for anyone <laughs> for perfect. anyone who doesn't know what going into reckless attack mode means is that you get advantage on your attacks uh which means you roll two times when you're attacking and you take the better result but enemies get the same thing against you so any attacks coming at you while you're recklessing are also at advantage so in a one-on-one duel that means that the whole battle is just entered man mode yeah it's <laughs> it it gets cranked up to 11 um so this soldier who's extremely capable mind you um i think the uh i think the icon you used was from for honor it was the uh yeah the big yeah, he was the halberd wielding dude i forget what the name of that class he's is, so but, cool um, he's one of the heavies um yeah he's not the vanguard he's he's the one with the with the halberd i don't remember yeah. i played it for a while but um i didn't play knights very often anyway he uh he's sitting there waiting but he's got polearm master, which means that when anyone enters his threatened area, he gets an attack on him. So she comes rushing in and he throws his roll. And the first roll, which would have been his roll had she not been recklessing, was a critical failure. His second roll, which is what landed, was a critical success. So she goes, I'm going to reckless. Let's see how this goes. And she bull rushes in. He throws his roll and it's like, this is what it would have been. But thanks for that reckless. And he just cold cocks her hard. And it was just. <laughs> it was so, so funny. Just emergent comedic time and to that player's credit you know like you know he thought it was funny too he, he really thought it was did. he he handled it you know well. and he kind of turned it into a character moment it was like i came at that guy recklessly and i paid the price you know like it was <laughs> it was like almost scripted like the dice were just like i got you dm like don't <laughs> even worry about it like i'm gonna write this script right for you you know it's just like wow if i could have like called it right there i would that was um i but that was great. But I don't think there was a single yeah, person it, at the table that wasn't just dying laughing. But to kind of bring it back to prophecy, mm -hmm. like a little bit, it's just like, regardless, like in that scenario or in the prophecy scenario, like, yeah, I do have a little fun messing with you. Sure. Like, I won't, I won't lie about that. But at the same time, like if, if your players trust you as a DM, um, that you have their best interest at heart and you care about their fun and you care about their success, you know, they'll get through the times where their character is does not win, mm. you know, to the point, you know, where, you know, and, and this is not to say where, you know, just, oh, character death is impossible because, you know, sometimes the dice fall and they fall and that's just the way it is. But right. Um, but it is to say that I'm not going to have fun at your expense. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not going to I don't think fun needs to be a zero sum game. Right. Yeah. Where I only gain if you lose. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of, of fun, right? It's intangible. Yeah. So we all have it. Yeah. So I think this goes into one of my earlier questions too. The ways to approach prophecy 
as a GM in terms of like maybe when would you say are good times to use it versus not? Um, and after going through this, I mean, I um, lest I forget to mention it, my character was not the only one who got a prophecy. Every single person in our party got one. So there were five yeah. of them total. And mm-hmm. just about all of them were varying degrees of disconcerting at best. Like most sure. of them were, you know, at at least left you in a, well, I've got something to think about kind of state. Um, so after yeah. having done this, I mean, granted, that was maybe what, two, maybe three sessions ago now. Um, two. Yeah. Yeah, too. Um, what what would you say you've kind of thought since kind of delivering those? Um, did you did you have any ideas that kind of struck you after the fact? Like, oh, you know, maybe I could have done that this way instead of that way, or you know? Um, well, yeah, sure. I mean, part of it was it was all impromptu. Mm. Um, you know, basically, uh, and your first question was, when's the appropriate time to do it? I don't know if I a hundred percent know the answer to that question. Mm. I have some ideas, but there could probably be counterexamples. Um, but I would say that in this case, I literally gave you the option and I think that's pretty safe. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Like I literally had a fortune teller sitting in a tent. Hi, would you like this service? You know, like you, you didn't, you didn't like ambush us with prophecy. Like we, we quite literally asked and paid for it. You paid. Um, <laughs> and uh, like, I think maybe part of my question is like, are there any indicators that you were getting from our characters up until this point where it's like, oh, you know, using prophecy related to this aspect of their character or something might be a really good idea. Like, were there any specific tells on the characters where you were like, that's the thing I want to go after? Well, part of it was because some people got really kind of specific stuff that came up quickly. In fact, one thing had come up that same session uh, for one player where I, where I said, you know, I gave them a warning and they, and then I think it was you that said, remember the warning uh, you got? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like an hour ago. And they were like, okay, I'm going to listen to Lanzover. Thank goodness. And inside I was going, good, they're picking up. So, uh, but I was able to be a little bit more explicit with him because I knew what was happening next. Mm-hmm. And when well, he gives you a lot to work like, with. What, and he gives me a ton to work with. We have like long conversations um, off and on uh about the characters and stuff and and i love that he comes to me with that because it makes me feel like he's invested and that makes me feel like he's i'm doing well engaged. and that he's doing well and that engagement is is fantastic by the way also great for teachers man like man when it, when a kid is like into your lesson and is like hanging on to your words like oh my god such a good mm-hmm. feeling when everyone's asleep in class you want to kill yourself but anyway um <laughs> it's pretty bad when it came to your character, I, you know, because basically what you're asking me is, let me peek at your notes. And then I was... I definitely don't <laughs> want any specifics. I'm I'm more just like. No, no. But I mean, when you sign it for the prophecy, you're like, give me a hint. Sure. Basically. 
and or give me some foreshadowing. I mean, I to me, you're you're asking for it. You're literally and you paid for it. So it, it's like and then when it came to Lansford, I was like, OK, I know what I want to do to him, but I don't know how I'm going to do uh, it. OK. And so I was like, all right, man, like here is uh, the thing that's going to happen to you. Kind of it's kind of coming down the line at some point. Um, um, the fortune teller looks a little worried and apprehensive about telling you everything she sees. Mm. Because I want to, because I know what the reaction to it should be. I know how intense it needs to mm. be. Um, I just don't know the circumstances quite yet. So to come up with what you want to have happen, are you looking at like, like personality traits, certain things about a backstory, or you know? And and I I'm not looking for you to like divulge things to no, me about no. like what you're planning and stuff. I'm more at least in vague sense. Um, like what are the things that you're looking at from characters to go? That's something that's worth targeting. Well, in this campaign, we've had a really good opportunity to really get to know every PC in in detail, at least as much as you guys will divulge. Mm-hmm. And, but even for the PCs that haven't divulged much to each other, I still know your backstory. Right. You, you you still like told me and I and I read it right and I've reread it a few times and and I kind of know what I want from that and I see your interactions with other people and um, this will go to a inspiration point that I'm planning on doing in the future uh, where I want to talk about Cam Wyland's book uh, creating character arcs mm. um, which I would highly highly recommend it's also not very heavy and it's a fun read I actually consumed it on audiobook nice I love audiobooks. But I, after I listened to that, I got obsessed with the concept of character arcs. Mm. And so ultimately, I'm sort of critiquing your characters. Mm. I think that's what it comes down to. I think that as much as I love your characters, they have maybe it's not even the flaw they wrote on their sheet. But to me, there is a specific problem. Mm. There is something that is limiting their growth that they need to learn. Mm. And I think you're starting to see it with one of our fellow players who, you know, kind of had a spotlight session this uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see how they're developing and changing. You even, I think your character even remarked on how that much a they changed. And, and you said that you were, in fact, proud of them, which I thought was awesome, I, by I've the way. Been, I have been waiting for that freaking moment since, like, our first or second session when, you know, when the crap hit the fan and everything went sideways and we darn near got uh, a death sentence i was like oh my goodness this character is a maniac and um without going too deep into it our characters got tied together where my character was basically her minder for in you know some ways and it was like okay anything she screws up that's on you so it was like this sense of like really responsibility heavy heavy responsibility and to have seen that character grow from the seriously terrifying place she was in and having gone through this this small period where i really was sitting there going i don't even know if this character is going to change and if she doesn't what the heck does that mean for where this game's going to go? Like it was a legitimately like scary kind of prospect. And we literally traveled the road that we took 
to the new place we got to back to where we started and it really just brought it all home kind of the change that was made and it was really 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 striking well i'm i'm, I'm glad you liked it and I, and I was very pleased in both those last two sessions where your character was recognizing the arc and the changes in the other characters and i especially love how you don't seem to know what yours is <laughs> i it's it's the kind of thing where like you're you're too close to it right you can't see the forest for yeah, the trees yeah i think so and i'm so like neck deep in it and i also as a person i tend to be very um in the moment and i i look at what's around me but pulling in like context and like okay trying to extrapolate things and stuff is just something that i as a person sometimes struggle with so you know i'll I'll miss things where like, you know, in hindsight, I can look back and go, oh, obviously this was blah, 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 blah. But in the moment, I'm like, you know, what's currently going on? What do we have to deal with? What can I contribute? That sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I like where that's going. We're going to see a big change for that that character. Um, but anyway. It's going to be fun. So the again, I guess the role of prophecy was to give hints about arcs, give hints about challenges that are coming, maybe sometimes specific warning signs, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. I've also hidden little clues about your characters in other aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's been these things where ultimately, I guess I'm trying to communicate. I'm thinking about your character. I'm aware of them. They're not a, I don't see your character as gnome cleric. Yes. I definitely for, for all the times where like you might throw something out there and the specifics of it might go over my head. I, I, and I don't know what this says about me, but I always, always pick up on when you're doing that. I, I might not know exactly Mm. why or exactly what you're specifically trying to say but i can always tell when you are saying something when you're shining some spotlight on it like when we were leaving hill green yesterday and betris the town mayor she was also saying some kind of vaguely cryptic stuff to lansvera and i don't even necessarily remember exactly yeah, she was su- she was subtexting it. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, lady, I don't quite know what you're driving at, but I can tell you're you are driving at something. I'm just not getting it." <laughs> She's just a pleasant shopkeep. She oh. is not. <laughs> I find myself in that position a lot, where I'm like, "Okay, I know something is being something is being said here. Something important is going on." Don't know what it is. I can't figure it out. Sub subtext. That's got to be another uh, inspiration points one of these days. I have I have another book about that dialogue by Robert McKee. I would highly recommend. I'm I'm as feeling well. severely underread right now. <laughs> well, what's nice is that these are these are not hard to get through, and I also got through this one on audiobook. I'm so, all about audiobook. Um, I just I've been going yeah. through. Um, the monsters know what they're doing by uh, Keith 
Keith Amon, I think A M M. I want to check that one out. I'm very curious about it's that. It's so good. And just in a nutshell, it has really made me very aware how even for as long as we've been playing, the vast amount that the monsters we have always used have been horrendously underutilized has blown my mind like the way i think about goblins now and this is extremely important given the campaign that i just finished running not too terribly long ago um goblins are freaking terrifying if you use them the way they're really intended to be used oh yeah i mean i think we we often skip the um all the script up front and we go right to the stat block and stat blocks aren't that scary usually um maybe except like a rust well like i Um, i just there are so many little things in there like certain abilities like hags hags are so goddamn terrifying but you know they're spellcasters so if you get close but like (laughs) even like what the um what their abilities how their abilities are actually intended to be used in conjunction with one another or how a certain type of that monster is actually intended to be used alongside this other kind and when you use them together and have their abilities play off each other in an optimal way they become like exponentially more threatening in a way that like I had been completely blind to before it was just some really 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 deep stuff so I'll save more about that for another time but it's I know we just gave like five inspiration oh my God, points it's so good <laughs> so good well sometimes they just come right you know what can what can you say you and that's know? in an audiobook too um, so that's nice yeah so um so I and by the way I I don't think I've ever really done a whole lot with prophecy mm um up until this campaign and uh i guess it's mainly because of the tarot theme like that's, it, it can definitely get you like, in a certain headspace yeah it gets you in a headspace but i i've enjoyed it and i again it's just another way to communicate to players to say like hey i'm thinking about do you. you think um do you think you'll make more frequent use of it in in your other campaigns that you're running and stuff or you is it going to be something that you maybe are less hesitant to play with? Yeah, I think it will depend on what role mysticism sure. plays. Um, I'm thinking about running Storm King's Thunder, and I, you know, I definitely think of like soothsayers and augurs when it comes to like Nordic oh, mythology, yeah. and I know that Storm Kings isn't necessarily super Nordic, but I'm totally going to make it that yeah. way. You know, I've already thinking about the music I'm using and sort of the feel of it that I want it to have. But I also thought about a different game that's like hard, realistic medieval. And I was like, I eh, probably wouldn't be too much mm. there. Like it would it probably be something where either a player was like asking for it specifically. Like if you're playing a diviner, I'm going to help you out. Oh, you yeah. know, I'm going to I'm going to give you something to do. But. I've I've been given some prophecies and dreams as a player mm-hmm. before, and I always had a mixed reaction yeah. to it. Sometimes it can be really cool and rewarding, but sometimes those rewards can feel a little free. Sometimes. And sometimes, like, if they go too long, it can be hard to keep track of everything that's sure. happening. And then I become hyper-aware of everyone else who's not oh, playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and that gets, like, 
I feel like I'm taking too much time ordering at the front of the line at Starbucks uh, Chipotle, right? Like I feel like I'm, I'm that guy going, hi, what can I, can I take your order? And I'm like, um, um, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, by the way, one of the uh, layers of hell is specifically for those oh, people. I, I mean, they're numbered. And if you've been standing in line, especially, you had time. You had time. You had time. You know, if you're the only one in line, do whatever you want, man. Go nuts. Like, go, you know, be as selfish as you want to be. There's no problem. Yeah. Right. But if you if you go, mm, um, mm, and there's five people behind you, and then you say, I guess I'll have the quesarito. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't think there's any kind of redemption for a person like you. <laughs> Firm, hard line drawn in the sand. I'm a, I'm a pretty forgiving guy, but, but um, that's a bridge too a bridge, far. Bridge way too far. It's just disgusting. Quesarito. I hate that kind of behavior. Oh, the behavior oh, of the quesarito. Man. Oh, I know. I imagine the quesarito is fine. I've never ordered one because that's rude. Because it takes so long to make. Oh, I, I'm not familiar with the quesarito. It's a burrito that is wrapped up in a quesadilla. Mm. So I imagine it's delicious. <laughs> I was going to um, say, I it it doesn't seem like you're saying bad things. No, and again, you're the only one at Chipotle. Go crazy. Order a quesarito. Don't do it if there's three people mm. behind you. That's not nice. Especially if it's like noon. I guess if you went there at like 2.45 p.m., it's like, eh, well, you all kind of dawdled on your way in, maybe. I That's don't know, a sweet but, spot time. And, but also, if you're going to order it, like, know what you want, right? Just just yeah, know it. Just know it. It's, I mean, Jesus, they put numbers on the menu items. Not at Chipotle. So that this doesn't happen. You know, I don't I don't understand people. Like, just be considerate. So prophecy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so here's, here's one. Um, when it comes to being cryptic, where should we draw the line before things mm. just start getting frustrating or, or on the flip side, like a- maybe where, where do you, uh-huh. how long do you let a player fumble before you kind of give them a, give them a nudge or help them out? I guess it just depends on how important it is. If it makes sense, you know, like, Okay, again, we we come to the point of why did you give them that prophecy? Mm. Well, if if they're not understanding it, then maybe you missed the point, right? Mm. Like they should be able to recognize it when it's happening. You know, if you if you give the player a um a prophecy, it's kind of like calling your shot in pool, mm-hmm. right? So, if you say uh eight-balled corner pocket, that's that's where it needs to yeah. go. And not a different not a different corner, mm-hmm. right? So, it's on you, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Now, I mean, if if you have a player that's just because we all have like passive players that don't pay attention, you know, like that happens. Get sometimes. off your phones. Yeah. Get off your phone. Right. Whatever. Um, stop eating Cheetos so loudly, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, fo- it's man- mainly phones. And, I, and I've been guilty of sure. this. But, you know, it's but it's a thing where it um, for the most part, you're, you're calling your shot and it's a challenge for you. Mm. Uh, and this is something that I know some writers do where they will they'll make a promise or they'll set something up and they don't necessarily what know where it's going, but it's a challenge they built for themselves. Right. And then that's fun. It's fun to try to think of how to get out of the corner yeah. without, without, without using, um, like deus ex machina. I'm going to say, yeah, thank you for saying you're, it for me. Um, 
I grew up, I grew up, my dad was a theater teacher and he used to say it totally different. And I said it like that for a long time and everyone else was like, that's wrong. That's wrong. I'm so, cause apparently we're all, Latin I'm the experts. kind of person who, who points that stuff out. And I always feel like a jerk, but at the same time, I'm like, language is important. And if, if there's a right way to say something and somebody knows the right way and can tell you, you know, like there was this really great bit in, uh, I think it was how I met your mother where Ted Mosby, like the, the main character, he, he had grown up his entire life thinking chameleon was pronounced chameleon. And he was like a college professor and he was saying chameleon in front of his entire class that he was. And one kid goes, you mean chameleon? And it turned his entire world like upside down. <laughs> like well, everything I've ever known was a lie. <laughs> but either way, that we know that that is a writing device that people often use, but everyone denounces. Yes. Right. Like I hate it. Hate it. Yeah. When a player or a player, a character in any kind of media is about to get killed. The guy is standing over them with the axe or the sword or whatever. They're about to take the swing. And then what happens? Someone stabs them. They get shot. Yeah. There, there's right? there's no and then we, reason why that why the sword or the axe wouldn't have fallen. Like take the shot. But some something crazy comes out of left field and saves the character. This was a big warning sign that the last couple of seasons of game of thrones was were suffering a bit <sighs> and it's because they kept using this device what had gone from a show that was about lethality and consequences where you really i mean the drama was so heightened the, i mean the moment they you're just like this show is for real i am taking everything seriously now and i am 100 percent invested and then in those last couple of seasons, just like, oh, uh, this character uh, tests too highly with the focus group. They're, they're now immortal. Well, and it and it also goes to the fact that, you know, when the show started going downhill was also when they started uh, when they had run out of actual book content to use. And George R. R. Martin is yeah, telling sure. a very globally focus story where HBO took that and changed it to basically being a very specific character focused story where it became about the individuals and that threw a wrench into the whole thing. Well, but still it was an excellent adaptation, I would say. And it was largely an adaptation because the world had certain rules. Absolutely. And, and, and part of the benefit of D&D is that we are, in fact, bound by rules, right? Like, sometimes the dice just don't do what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this this level of drama that inherently exists, yeah. right? But anyway, I would just say um, don't use that as your device to get out of, I guess, prophecy jail. And I don't know. I think if you care about your player, you're going to make yeah. it work. You're going to – I think the rule is, you know, care about them – Make sure that your prophecy has a purpose. Make sure it's vague enough that it could mean a lot, but specific enough that it isn't meaningless. Yeah. Right. You will face a great trial. Thank you. That's uh, okay. fantastic. Thank you. Or it's so symbolic 
that it's like just this fever dream and you just like like I don't know it it's like the lyrics to a Smashing Pumpkins song from the Adore <laughs> album. Like it sounds pretty, but it I have no idea what any of this is trying to tell me. Yeah. Just um, random, you know, nonsense. A good a good prophecy is not Smashing Pumpkins. A good prophecy is a Bob Dylan song. <laughs> where at least with some of the some of the songs, because some of them are more explicit than others, but with some of the songs, it's like there's double meaning. There is hidden meaning. There is, you know, inferences. There's references. Mm. There's ambiguities. There's I'm pointing to something in my real life. You know, there is this sort of like trove of information to kind of glean yeah. from it. I think that's a good prophecy. Just saying nonsense because it sounds wise. Like now you're just a fortune cookie. And yeah, that's not that's sure. no good. Those aren't even from China. Yeah. Nothing is sacred. <laughs> It's the one thing that's not from China. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, well, anyway, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty much a novice to the whole prophecy game, but I feel like I feel like I have a couple. Yeah. Ideas. And I mean that that's uh, that's something that I was thinking about going into this, too. Like I was considering this more of a kind of like a like workshop in the idea sort of thing where, you know, we just yeah. kind of maybe discover what we think about this stuff just as we discuss it. Cause, cause it is something that um, even if it is something where you do know how to use it, well, it's not something that ought to be used frequently. If it's used all the time, no. it kind of, you know, it takes some of the oomph out of it. Um, yeah, it can lose its weight, and then you're just being told what the campaign right. is. Um, right, and then that's no good. But if you use it right, I mean, definitely in my case, it it gives your character something to chew on, and it gives them a very it gives them a very personal reason to be like hyper vigilant. Like most of the time, when we get into you know a given situation my character's head is on a swivel like okay who's this guy who's this guy who's this guy are they addressing me in any way is there any are there any vibes coming off this situation that that seem to give me hints of like okay Lanzavere might you know this is a Lanzavere theme we're talking about if someone says fortune or luck or you know merchant you know they hit some of his keywords he goes, oh, that's my cue. Um, and it, you know, the prophecy gives you another reason to, you know, really pay attention. Stay the hell off your phone. Um, and to that end, you know, nowadays the advent of the virtual tabletop and people playing from separate kind of isolated situations. Like for anyone who's wondering, um, Adam and I are not recording in the same space. I'm in my office in California and he's in his down in Arizona. And when we have our games on Monday nights, we're in the same spot. We're alone. So, you know, if if a turn is dragging on super long and stuff, any one of us could bust out our phone or check Facebook or anything like that. And nobody can see it or knows. Um, so it, you know, when you're kind of isolated like that, it can even make it easier to lose focus or not pay attention 
Um, and sometimes that's not even necessarily, yeah. you know, your own fault. Sometimes things just do drag a long time. And, you know, I, I had one group I played with and I was on my phone yeah. all the time. And I will, I will admit that. And they even said, dude, can you get off your phone? I, I was literally that guy. And, but I should have left that group. Honestly, I should have left it a lot earlier than I did because although they were good guys and I liked them, I liked, I liked them personally, but they were terrible um, at the game. They were, they were just like, they didn't respect time. They didn't think about everyone's fun. Um, it was just like, I felt like we were starting a new campaign every other week. You know what I mean? Like it was just frustrating, just, just chaos. And so I should have just left like a while before that. So I, I, I guess I'd say if you're on your phone all the time, like, are you having a good time? But also I would say to the DM, cause I, I take a lot of responsibility for my players fun. And I say, hopefully if I'm doing well, they're not inclined or they, at least they're less inclined. So I think there's responsibility on both ends for yeah. sure. I think, I think another inspiration point I'd like to do at some, at some juncture is on uh like that etiquette. Well, actually on immersion on things that can, that can grab uh that can grab a player's attention and help pull them and keep them in the game um because because if you know if you're really hooked you know etiquette becomes at least that form of etiquette becomes a non-issue easier you know you're just yeah you're you're focused because you can't help but be focused um it helps if you have good players and you have a good dm right like if everyone is doing their best it's easy to have fun and be engaged you know and if anyone isn't giving it you know be that dm or player you know if someone's not bringing it home i mean geez you know we this is the generation we live in now right and we're not gonna we're not gonna stand for boredom we just we don't know what to do with it anymore well and you know uh, a lot of us are like we mentioned before grown adults with families and day jobs and you know time is at a freaking premium now baby like none of us have you know just tons of spare hours to throw around even with covid and stuff like you know in some ways i'm more busy right yeah uh so you know you want to make your time count and if you aren't you know figuratively bringing something to the table consider why you're at the table at all and you know if 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 the game you're in is not doing it for you or you're you know i hate to say this but if you're wasting other people's time and or your own you know take a good hard look and think you know maybe i should step away to let the people who really care about being in the game and being involved to let them enjoy that time um to that end let me make one suggestion about prophecy which is maybe consider keeping it brief because ultimately you're unless the prophecy is regarding the entire party it is you talking as the dm like you're the only one talking and um therefore no one else is acting in any capacity um and if it is for one player then no one else is engaged even verbally so it you know i don't think you can blame them for being distracted at that point so um that you know just a just a little tip little little piece of advice um i think i gave some dreams away yesterday that might have been over brief but i tried to go quick 
so that people wouldn't um, want to like I don't know check their Facebook. No, I or whatever. I think I think you you are generally as a rule very good about that. You know, I I never feel like you are dragging on. Um, so I I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, you've told me once that maybe I I rush a bit, but you know, and fair enough. I would I would take that. Um, cause I, I am trying to get to things, yeah. right? Well, and it doesn't help that our, our sessions are relatively short. Like we, we run once a week from like six thirty to usually about 10, maybe 10 30, 10 30. Um, well it's 10 30, maybe 11. That's really what, what, it, what it is. Cause I, I think our, our actual end time is, uh, 10 30. That's supposed to be our end yeah. time. Anyway, it's, it goes real real fast it does go real fast i mean especially since we we came off of playing in college and just after college where you know you're you're gonna have six eight hour oh, sessions freaking, i think there were some that even went as long as like 10 might have been 10 12 well and then yeah if we and if you and i went home at the end and i was like okay i gotta do a little more with yeah. your character then you know you're getting your 12 hour oh, session yeah, baby man. you know those are the days oh <laughs> uh. Just pizza and homework and D and D, man. Like that was the life. That was it. You you remember the oh, pizza? Oh, I remember the pizza the, with that kind of twisty crust oh. and yeah. Not not real pizza, but uh, real college pizza. Real <laughs> real college pizza. That sounds like a good name for a for a pizza joint. Store. Yeah, real college pizza. Yeah, R- real college pizza. Organic. Certified organic, yeah. real college. Pizza. If you put that on, the hipsters oh, buy it. They totally will. They totally would. We we'll have to have a vegan option. It's like uh, it's just a corn tortilla. No, no gluten with lettuce. It's just a salad. <laughs> it's Ugh. a salad. Anyway, <laughs> no more uh, belaboring this point. Thanks for uh, for your yeah. We beat the hell out of that your dead horse. Input. Um, well. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us as we ramble on and on about the stuff we know absolutely nothing about. (laughs) Um, If you want to catch us uh, on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, And whatever uh, platforms you are downloading this on, if if it allows you to leave a review, please consider leaving a five-star review and throwing some comments at us. Uh, just let us know what you think. Shoot any uh, inspiration points you may have at us. And uh, yeah, talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, especially those inspiration points because we'll, we'll well, to be honest, we probably will never run out. But it might be nice to have some options to pick from. Oh, sure. And uh, I really want to do Mailbag Day someday. I think that would be that really would be- fun. Those are always my favorite episodes. That'd be of the really cool. It's like, oh, viewers like you, they mean me. <laughs> and so I horribly try to pronounce your weird names oh. and your, you know, dirty limerick usernames. Oh, don't don't, don't you know. give usernames. You give me a real name, or your name's not getting on the air. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> reading your your awful awful joke that you would never tell your mother. XXX underscore Sephiroth Hunter. XXX underscore. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs>
That was like the first day that World of Warcraft Burning Crusade oh, came out. Like gosh. everybody was dritzed one anyway. two, five seven xx d d d d d d d d um so yeah we want to hear the inspiration points and questions and and critiques um yeah yeah well sounds good i'm looking forward to next week already too. thank you everybody and uh, until we meet again stay inspired